and weird i'm actually really jazzed about this episode today because i am a math and science nerd um yeah i actually am one of those people who likes math and who is so fascinated by science i originally applied for colleges to become a pathologist um or like a coroner i love like anatomy and the human body and all of that kind of stuff. I took like AP biology in school. So I am obviously like fascinated by it. So in my ADHD (laughs) um, brain, I decided I'm going to learn all these things, which actually has been super useful um, for me as a practitioner who helps people remove um, trauma and like feel worthy of their desires because that's all about like feeling and accepting accepting who you are feeling like good about who you are and not shame and judgment for who you are and working through and like tapping into being embodied and feeling your feelings and your like alchemizing your trauma through that and this whole idea of fear is a big reason why people don't do that. Um, You know, I have had, I've seen all different kinds of this like play out, but the biggest example that sticks out in my mind is like my mom. uh, She has gone through a lot of stuff in her life that she literally is like, I don't need to have emotions. Like I'm okay with not having emotions. And for me, that is like one of like the extremes of how this plays out. And, um, I'll kind of explain it more, but it's like the more we can understand how we work, the more we can remove these unknown questions of like, why am I the way that I am? Like blaming ourselves and shaming ourselves because we realize like, oh, that's just how I am. Like that's what astrologers provide for people, right? Like that's what human design readers provide for people is like, this is just how you're made. This is how you work. So don't blame yourself for that, right? Like, that's why diagnoses are really important. Like, oh, I have ADHD. Now I can stop blaming myself for having trouble focusing or having executive dysfunction, right? So this episode is going to really be a little bit science heavy, but I'm really good at explaining things. Um, So I won't make it like, it's not going to be like too many sciencey terms, but it's really important to break down how it works so that we can have a greater understanding of how fear works in our body. So that when fear comes up, we actually feel more empowered to choose how we want to deal with it as opposed to feeling like powerless or overwhelmed by it. So I wrote a lot. So hopefully I'll be able to fit this into an hour. <laughs> um, but I'm just going to jump right in, right? So removing the fear from fear is what this episode is called, right? And the first like step for that is to understand fear from a physiological standpoint. So like how fear works in our brain and in our body, right? So 
fear is an evolutionary advantage, right? All living beings possess fear. Like dogs have it, cats have it, humans have it, lizards have it. Like all different types of animals have fear because if we recognize danger and fear, then our responses kick in in our body that can allow us to stay alive, right? The whole goal of survival is to survive long enough to pass on your genetics to the next generation. That's the evolutionary, like how our bodies are hardwired. That's how like most animals are hardwired, right? So this is an evolutionary advantage because if you can recognize that something is dangerous and have fear and survive through it, then your genetics will get passed on and you can pass on that knowledge to your kin, right? This is like from a very like animalistic point of view. So we can see that in our own personal lives as like our intuition, like our body is just like, don't touch that fire, don't touch that fire. Like your body gets like tense around fire, has you have like, oh, I shouldn't get this close to it. And, and other things in our life, right? Because like if we go to like in the edge of a bridge or something, then our body's like, don't get too close to the edge. Don't get too close to the edge. Like stay safe, stay safe, right? So that's kind of like how our body reacts in a survival way to things that are dangerous. It kind of, it senses, our mind senses the fear, the danger, and then our body reacts with like the fight, flight, or fawn response so that we can stay alert to the danger, right? And, you know, this is important because we can blame ourselves for being fearful of things, but understanding it's like normal human response, right? So this is how like it works on our brain. Our brain detects the fear or danger in our environment. Then it releases a series of chemicals into our nervous system and our adrenal cortical system. And so these chemicals are considered stress hormones. So that's why when we're in fear situations or dangerous situations or perceived dangerous situations or fearful situations, our body literally like physically changes, right? So these stress hormones, they they help to keep our body alert and focused so that we can like sense any, anything that's dangerous and react accordingly, right? Like literally our pupils dilate, our digestive system turns off to save energy, our immune system turns off to save energy, our heart rate speeds up, right? So these are all like physical responses that happen like regardless, you cannot control them. Like when I give a speech in front of people, I start sweating, my heart rate goes up, so then my face turns red. And, uh, and you know, it's like, that's why I'm sweating. And it's just like, before, when I was a kid, I used to be like, why can't I just go up there and be confident and like say my speech and not look like a red faced fool, right? And now I'm kind of like, you know what, that's my body's normal response to fear. Um, and I'm just going to go up there and do it because I know that I can do it. And I'm, you know, whatever. And now I don't turn as red as much anymore because I'm not as fearful. But I'm not blaming myself and making it even worse and then focusing the whole time during the speech on the fact that I probably look like a tomato <laughs> um, as opposed to like focusing on what I want to say and what I want to convey in my speech, right? So it's important for us to know like there's other ways that fear, uh, our body has like fear responses, but it's important to know like what yours are so that 
when that happens, you're not like, oh my God, here I go again, like getting nauseous. What the fuck is wrong with me? And it's like nothing. It's just an evolutionary (laughs) advantage that you have. That's how your body is built, right? So this help, you know, like this is why I kind of like want to say this because it's like instead of that internal shame and judgment, we're able to say like, this is just a normal thing that all humans possess. And I don't need to like blame my body for reacting how it is literally built to react so that I can survive. Right. Um, So now maybe you're thinking like, yeah, yeah, okay, I get it. Like, don't touch the fire. But like, what about some other stuff? Um, that doesn't seem like as life or death, right? So now we're thinking we're not hunter-gatherers anymore. We've survived evolutionarily, but our lives have changed, right? So our body and our mind now has like new rules that it has learned around fear and danger. So not only do we still know, like, don't touch the fire, it's going to kill you. But now we know like newer things like, don't get run over by the car, right? Like look both ways when you're crossing the street because now we've learned like cars are dangerous, right? But there's other stuff that may seem more nuanced, I guess. Um, Like if we are scared of expressing who we truly are or if we're finally starting the business we've always dreamed of, now our body is learning to respond to more like nuance things like that to protect us and maybe we're not fully aware that that's still a fear response that's coming up right like when i when i came out to my parents i was very scared because i observed from tv from my environment from other people knowing that coming out can be a dangerous situation that not everybody will be accepting of you and you could potentially get physically harmed. You could potentially get kicked out of your home and that's dangerous, right? Um, You could be disowned by your family and that is scary and dangerous, right? So it's like, these are like modern examples of how our body is assessing danger and fear and reacting accordingly, right? So now this kind of requires knowledge of how our ego works because for these lesser like life or death like black and white this will kill you this won't kill you (laughs) um when it's into these more nuanced things that are more observational that are more um like environment based or like ethnic based or societal based right like this is where our ego comes in so Our ego is part of our internal family systems and the ego is basically like in charge of keeping you safe and happy. So they work kind of with your brain to assess fear. So they learn through evolutionary experiences, but also through learned experiences, like either stuff that you observe, stuff that you were taught, stuff that happened to you. And then they develop this like running list of what makes you safe and happy and for us cycle breakers and change makers, that can mean that we're kind of like always at odds with our ego's natural like running list of what keeps us safe and happy. Um, and so our ego, like an example of this, our ego learns like um, when our heart was bo- broken by like a boy in the third grade, 
our ego learns like, you know, that experience was terrible. We were crying. We felt awful. So I'm going to add that to the running list of things to like situations to never put myself in again. Right. Like that's what the ego is telling us. Like we saw how much you were hurt and we don't want that to happen anymore because that is not the ego's job is to keep you safe and happy. Right. So it's like, that is a no, no. So we're going to do this. So then its job now is to avoid any kind of situation for the rest of our life that makes us feel similar or could potentially make us feel similar to how we felt when we got our heart broken in the third grade. Now, the rest of our internal family system is supposed to have like a healthy balance, right? There's not, the the ego is not the one running our mind. For some people, it does happen that way. But in a healthy balance, we have the ego that is, it's more of a counsel, right? The ego is saying stuff, our mind can, we can respond. (laughs) And like the rest of our internal family systems can respond so that we're actually, you know, able to live our lives in a way that we want to, as opposed to letting our ego rule our lives. Um, So like this can play out, like if our ego is ruling our lives and the rest of our life, like maybe we um we're avoiding these situations romantically right so our ego's like don't be vulnerable don't put yourself out there romantically ever again so then anything that's similar to that we avoid so now we've reached a point in our life maybe we're like 28 or something and we're so desperate because we truly want to have a lifelong deep connection like this is my one that I'm going to marry type of mate. And since third grade, we've only kind of had surface level relationships where we weren't allowing ourselves to be vulnerable because our ego was like, that's a no, this is off the table. Because if our heart gets broken again, then we're never going to survive. We're going to die. That's how the ego works with the fear, right? With our brain in terms of fear, it like it creates this belief, this scenario, this op- option in our mind that's like, but if we get our heart broken, we could die. It's the end of the world. Like that's how it's going to feel for us. So we never want to feel that. Or some people, they their ego doesn't even allow us to think that. And then we just blame like, you know what? It's not me. My partners since that person in the third grade have just not been good enough. They have not been worthy enough for me to be vulnerable with. So that's what it is. I must just need to find the right person. It's not me. Because even in being honest with ourselves and saying, you know, I'm afraid of this and I maybe pushed people away or I picked emotionally unavailable partners. Um, that can make us feel uncomfortable as well. And that our ego's job is to make us feel safe and happy, right? To avoid all these hurt, harmful, hurtful, sad feelings, uncomfortable feelings. So that's when we get people who just like point their internal struggle outwards at other people. And they say, like, you know, these people harmed me. These people weren't good enough. These people were wrong. There's nothing wrong with me. Because even in, like, admitting that is maybe going to cause us upsetting, uncomfortable feelings. So that's kind of where, um, like, our ego creates all these different narratives to relate it to fear so that our body can get on board, right? So our body is now, like, nope, that's dangerous. Nope, that's scary. No, that's overwhelming. No, we could die. No, this is going to be the end of the world. And we kind of start seeing how like the nuance of different situations where it's like all the way at the end of the spectrum, like you're going to die. Like if you jump into this 
like fire versus like you're going to be uncomfortable if you put yourself out there. Um, and of course, like for everybody, it's different. It's different levels. Um, it's a spectrum, right? Like it's learned experiences. What one person may feel is fearful might not be fearful for another. Like we see that with like people who have female bodies, it's fearful to walk alone, um, in general, walk alone at night. Um, but for people with male bodies, it might not feel that that's something that's fearful to them. So everybody has their own unique makeup of what they have learned from their life and what they have like evolutionarily and what like societally has been programmed into them. So I'm like looking at my notes to make sure I didn't skip anything. Um, yeah. And this can be like, if you witness it secondhand or not, right? Like there's so many things that can make up this running list of like rules in our mind that our ego is keeping track of. And now that we kind of like see like, okay, this is how generally, like, this is a very general, right? It's not like super in-depth. How our fear responses in our body work and how our ego works to help, like, avoid, like, uncomfortability, how that can kind of, like, mesh together. So now when this stuff comes up, now it's, like, easier to, number one, say, like, there's nothing wrong with you, right? This is a normal, this is how our body works. And number two, to see that there needs to be a delicate balance between like our mind and our body and our ego, like our self and our ego. Because when we understand how it works, it can actually take a lot of the scariness out of these things because our ego can, you know, work things up into these big, scary, like shadow like figures, these monsters these things that we never even want to look at our face because it's just trying to get us to avoid that feeling ever um, that we experienced one time or observed one time. Um, and then if we're like, but I know that that's my ego's job, then it doesn't feel as scary. That's like a big thing that I've seen like with clients is when we, when we dive in and we're seeing the ego for the first time, it can appear as literally a giant scary monster. and when we start to talk to it and to understand it and to like validate it, it literally will morph like every time I've done this (laughs) um, with clients, it will morph into something else that is a lot less scary. That is more manageable. Usually it's like a small child. Um, That's kind of what mine was. Mine, when I first started visualizing and trying to talk to like my shadow, uh, it looked like the, the girl from the ring (laughs) because that was like one of the scarier things that I saw as a child and so it's literally a defense mechanism right it's like don't come near me don't look at me don't address me I'm scary so then you avoid it um it plays on like your fear response right so I I did some work to I think I drew it so that I could like look at it but in like a safer way um for me And then I was able to actually like face it in my visualization when I was trying to talk to it. And the more I talked to it, then it kind of just morphed into like this lonely, sad child in this like empty, like dark room, you know, and that's 
what actually a lot of the root of our fear is from is like in these experiences, we're not feeling validated, we're not feeling loved, we're not feeling supported. Um, and the more we can understand like that's our ego's job, our body and our mind's job, but we don't need to be like at its beck and call. We're in the one in charge. And so we understand that they're just doing their job and we can, I kind of like tell clients like to treat the fear and the ego as like a child that's like throwing a tantrum. Like when they're appearing to you as this big, scary thing, that's the tantrum they're acting out, right? They're trying to avoid a feeling. They're trying to get a response from you. So if we can validate it and give it time and attention and understand it, then it becomes a lot less scary. And even in the reframing of like, I'm going to look at you as a small child, like just being scared and not knowing what to do, um, at least for me and for my clients, like it immediately makes it a lot, oh, you poor thing, you know, like I'm not scared of you anymore. I pity you. And, and I can like be like protective of you and listen to you um, as opposed to feeling like I have to avoid you. I'm never going to look at you. I'm scared of you. You hold all the power and I'm powerless. Like that shift can be really powerful for a lot of people. Um, And so I'm going through the rest of my notes. I, I, I talked about a lot of this stuff already. Yeah. So that's, I'm reading my notes. Sorry, sorry, sorry. (laughs) So this is like how we can now look at it, right? So number one, like now we kind of have like a few different options for how to work with our fear. So as opposed to blaming ourselves, trying to push it away, we can take time to understand it and address it and validate it. So we can maybe when that fear comes up next time, we can talk to it to understand what the root is because if we know what the root is then it becomes easier to kind of do the thing anyways so an example for this my one of my coaches used to do this like I was taught um my coach who helped me when I first was starting to learn how to coach like they were teaching me how to be a a coach um I was like, I'm scared. I'm scared. What if I'm not able to help people? Like, what do I know? How can I help people? And then my coach was like, okay, well, why are you afraid of that? Well, you know, like, I don't know that I'll be able to help people. Okay, why are you afraid of not being able to help people? Well, because I don't know, you know, like what I, um, like what I know, like, I don't feel like an expert. Like, I don't know enough okay, like, why is that scary if you don't know enough? Well, because, like, I'll be, like, a fraud. I'm just, like, stealing people's money or something. Okay, so, like, why are you afraid of being a fraud? Well, because if I'm a fraud, then I'm going to go to jail. Okay, why are you afraid of going to jail? Well, if I'm going to go to jail, then I could die. And it's, like, my coach would always do this kind of, like, exercise with me to kind of just, like, keep asking why, why, why are you afraid of that? Why are you afraid of that? To get to the root. And a lot of the time, like 90% of the time, the fear ends up at like, I'll die or I'll be homeless, right? Um, because those are most, like, most of the fear that we have um, in most scenarios or situations. 
So like if you keep asking yourself, you can kind of get to the root and then the root can kind of tell you like, is this, it can kind of illustrate like, is this a little bit absurd? Like if I don't get this client, am I actually going to go to jail? No. Right. Like it's, it's um, about following that fear path because the ego's job and the way that fear works is to conflate everything, to make it larger than what it is so that we feel like this is actually just as scary as like being murdered, right? Like it's kind of trying to create that same response in our body to be like, hey, recognize that this is at the same level of scariness as something that could actually kill us so that we avoid it. And so if we're looking to like unbreak down the fear and understand it, then we can see, wow, that was really silly of me. Like this is one way that I talk to myself. It's like, that's really silly of me, you know, to think that this is actually what's going to happen from that. You know, it might be a little bit scary, but it's never going to be to that extreme. So I can move forward with this. Um, I always, I think about like the, in Harry Potter, when they're in like the defense against the dark arts class with professor lupin and he teaches them the ridiculous spell like the bogart comes out of the box and it shows what you fear most and then he says you know make it into something ridiculous make it into something silly or goofy or whatever it's like that's kind of what we're doing is we're understanding the situation and the route to take a lot of the fear to make it to look at the ridiculousness or the irrationality of it um, or we're reframing our how our fear looks and we're thinking of it as a small kid. So it's like we're taking the fear out of it, right? Um, I wouldn't recommend like actually making your fear into something silly because like making fun of your fear is not healthy. <laughs> um, I think like for in the movie it made sense because like the people were afraid of like spiders and you know like stuff like that but then when you get like harry potter's thing and he has like the dementor it's like oh shit this is like a legitimate like this thing could kill you fear right so um i just use it as an example to maybe you know create some common ground or like metaphors or whatever um but anyways so now we can kind of see like this isn't actually a life-threatening threat right like um the example for that was what I kind of used in the beginning. Like when I gave the speech, I was like, Oh my God, like it's the end of the world. People are going to think that I look stupid with a red face and I'm like sweating and my voice would shake when I was talking and I couldn't control it and like all this stuff. And now I'm just like, yeah, it's okay. I get it. There's a fear of looking stupid. There's a fear of being embarrassed. There's a fear of just like speak, like standing in my power in front of people because now I know after asking myself, like, I would speak up for myself and try and stand in my power so many times in my childhood and I was invalidated or I was silenced, right? Or I was made fun of. So that's why when I stand in front of other people, that natural response comes up because of my learned experiences and because of like evolutionary, right? So now when I go up, I'm not focusing and making that fear and the response in my body like magnified it's just like yeah it's there so now I only sweat a little bit now my face only turns red a little bit my voice doesn't really shake anymore because I'm not feeding the fear like it's I like to think of it as like a mother dough like if you ever bake bread um if you if you bake any yeast based bread I think I'm not like super into baking bread but I know like sourdoughs and stuff you need to have like a mother 
where it's like you take the yeast because yeast is like a living bacteria and it needs to like feed like it needs like sugars and things to feed and grow and then it grows your dough for you and so the way that like not everybody's like this but the way that sourdough is it's like um you feed the bread and then um you just take a piece off of the the mother the living yeast part that you just keep feeding to keep it alive and then you just pull a piece off of it and then you bake that and then you like feed it more so people keep it like in their fridge and then they keep feeding it um because the longer you have the mother the more tasty it gets right so um it's kind of like that where it's like if you keep feeding it if you keep being afraid of it trying to push it away if you keep blaming yourself or shaming yourself it's going to grow and grow and grow and it's going to be worse it's going to feel insurmountable and it's going to like you're going to feel like even more powerless like you're digging a hole deeper and deeper and you you that that kind of way of dealing with it doesn't really create like any um uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Any conclusion, any solution. That's what I mean. Any solution. So like doing this where we're like analyzing it and breaking it down slowly and listening to it, that's what's actually going to give you those answers that you're seeking. Um, so I have to take a break because it's reaching near the 30 minute mark. But when I come back, I will talk about the other steps that we can do now with this knowledge to help like shift the perspective and reframe like how we work with fear okay so we are back (laughs) um okay so we were talking about reframing how we're looking at our fear if we're visualizing it and it's scary then we were talking about instead of pushing it away blaming ourselves shaming ourselves validating and understanding the fear like sometimes it can be just as easy as like I see you fear I acknowledge you like literally saying this to yourself like I acknowledge that it can be scary to do this thing but I've decided that I want to do this thing even though it's scary and sometimes it needs to be a little bit more like in depth of like having a, a writing journaling session or like a visualization session of like understanding where this fear comes from, breaking it down fully to understand like, oh, you know, like actually I push people away in romantic relationships because now that I'm remembering and thinking about it, that one kid in third grade really hurt my like heart and hurt my feelings and made me feel like it wasn't safe to be vulnerable around people. So I've, I've just realized that I'm, you know, doing this now. Um, You know, and a lot of, like, the reason why I do inner child work is, like, a lot of that kind of stuff stems from, like, stuff that happened in our childhood. Sometimes it's not as clean of a path to finding the root, right? Like, we saw that in the example where it's like, oh, I can't get a coaching client because then I'm a fraud, then I go to jail, then I die. Like, that's crazy. Like, what? I never would have thought of that, right? Sometimes, a lot of the time, it's, like, stuff from childhood. Like, we think, like, oh, romantic relationships. Well, I haven't had any bad romantic partners. But maybe you had, your parents had a really bad romantic relationship. um, Or not a romantic relationship at all when it should have been, right? Like, maybe um, the relationship with your parents was not very good. And that's how you view relationships. That's how you seek for validation in relationships. So, sometimes it's not as clean-cut of a 
A to B. <laughs> um, and sometimes it takes a little bit. That's why I, I do this service, you know, for people because it can be overwhelming to tackle these types of things on your own, especially if it's like a bigger, more traumatic fear, um, a bigger root, um, something that's a little bit more perplexing. Like people get like psychic readings or tarot readings. I've helped people during those types of things. But like when I do my one-on-one containers with people in the inner child verse, like we're able to, I'm able to intuitively see where the root is. And sometimes it can be hard to do it on your own. So I just want to put that out there that like, if you're doing this work and it's like you're trying to recall something that's really triggering or something is coming up that was really triggering from your past, like don't force yourself, right? Like all of the stuff that I talk about, it's like with the understanding that, you know, do this at what feels safe for you. Do this at like a pace that's best for you. Do this with a person, a professional, like bring this to your therapist, um, work with a practitioner like me. Maybe you have your own practitioner that you work with. Like, maybe you want to talk about it with your trusted friend and confidant. Like, do it in a way that feels safe. It is not your job to heal everything in your life, to heal everything in your ancestors' stuff that's still there. It is not your job to hold the responsibility just for you and like carry the torch, like be the healer, be the parent, be the nurturer, be the child. It's like, it take the, I firmly believe in like, it takes a village, right? Like community, humans are communal animals for a reason. So like we, we heal in community more so than anything else. Um, so don't feel like if you can't do this and you're not getting answers, that there's also some, like, I don't want this to be like, yeah, yeah, I'm so excited. And then you do it and you're like, there's something wrong with me. I can't get the answer. What the fuck? Like, don't feel bad. Like, this is a new practice. And knowing too that your ego's job is to keep you from feeling these feelings. So if you're trying to go in and 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 get these answers and you're not getting anything, it might be your ego is, pre- especially if it's a really, really triggering thing that maybe you blocked out of your memory it's probably your brain and your ego trying to protect you from something, right? And we know like ADHD, like we can try and do something and then we're journaling and then we become self-aware that we're journaling and then we're like suddenly pulled out of our emotions and we're like, wait, I'm trying to get back in. Like as if you like woke up from a dream and you're trying to get back into it. That happens to me all the time. That's normal for people with ADHD. Just want to say, um, could be normal for more than just people with ADHD, but that's as far as I know. Um, I'm not like a expert on all of the other like neurological, um, like stuff. So just know that that is, there's more than one reason why it could be hard. Right. (laughs) Um, okay. So the three different methods I would suggest this kind of like goes into what I was just talking about, depending upon the severity of the fear or the situation, right? So like I said, sometimes, so number one would be speaking to it and understanding it. Sometimes that is enough to validate, to give it space, to understand where it came from. Sometimes it's hard to do that on our own. Sometimes it requires, you know, a little bit deeper. Um, Uh, Just like being able to flip 
the perspective, like understanding this is just my ego, like trying to control the situation. This is just my body reacting. Like that's like the example of like when I'm giving the speech, this is going to happen, whatever. I'm going to be scared when I do it. Like if you're going on a roller coaster, I know I'm going to be scared, but I'm just, I'm going to go on the roller coaster because I know it'll be fun or like, because my friends are doing it or whatever. Like that's one way, um, you know, like just pushing through and doing the thing anyways, right? Like that, I would suggest for stuff like that versus like, you know, if you're like, oh no, I'm getting triggered by some very terrible thing that happened. I'm just going to do it anyways. Like I wouldn't suggest that. But if you're like, oh, I'm scared to try this new food or ah, I'm scared to like wear this like cloth article of clothing outside, like sometimes you can just do it anyways. Um, And then giving, like giving, um, giving it, I don't know why I wrote this, giving, giving it some of what it seeks. um, That goes with like the validating, right? So when you're validating your fear, that is like, as opposed to understanding it, sometimes it just needs to be like acknowledged and validated. Like how I was saying, like, if you keep ignoring it, it'll grow like the mother dough. That's one thing you can do as well. Right. So it's like, my fear is like coming up, coming, I keep having this like thought, like, oh, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do this. And I keep trying to say like, stop, stop, stop. I, I'm going to do it. Like I'm, I'm in control. I know what I'm doing. And then it's like, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't like, it's still going to be there. The more you're like trying to just say like, no, 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 no. Get out of here. Get out of here. That's not going to help. Like, and then a lot of people, maybe it goes away like in their mind and like, good, I took care of it. But then they like can't sleep at night or they're having all these like physiological like effects in their body happening. So it's like, you know, validating it and acknowledging it is a huge first step. Um, I'm going to just like redo the order because I feel like it was getting all lost in the sauce. So validating, acknowledging can be a step, right? That's one. Maybe I just need to say, I get it that you're scared, fear. I see you, fear. It's cool. Don't worry. I got this. I know that it can be scary, but I'm going to do it anyways. The second step could be, you know, understanding, breaking it down, making it less scary, um, cha- you know, like talking to it as if it were a child understanding where this root comes from um because maybe like sifting through and alchemizing that root will help the fear not be there as strongly or at all for the rest of your life right um or you to feel more in control of it the third method could be just understanding your body's gonna do the thing it's cool. You can just, you know, go through it anyways, like saying this, doing the speech anyways, going on the roller coaster anyways. Um, there was one other one that, that I talked about earlier, but now I am drawing a blank on, but yeah, I think that's all the ones that I wanted to say. I'm sorry. It was a little bit messy. Um, and so this is kind of where we're like tying it all together. Um, because a lot of us, I know a lot of us who listen to the podcast are like this. This is, I'm speaking for me, right? (laughs) Um, walking an unpaved path is going to be full of unknowns and fears because, you know, the, the two biggest fears, like fear of the unknown, 
um, and like fear of death, right? So when you're walking down a path that is unpaved, a lot of your life is going to have fear in it. And that's also something to acknowledge, right? Like that was very freeing for me, knowing like I'm choosing a life, a lifestyle, um, to follow my desires. Those are all things that not a lot of people do, right? Like I'm choosing to be my own business owner. I'm choosing to live my life different than what society says is normal. I am queer. I'm not choosing to get married and have children. Like these are all things that like could be untraditional that there's no paved path. Like most people, like my cousin, he went to college, he got his master's, he got a job. He's going to stay at that job. You know, he has a pension. He got married. He's probably going to have kids in the next few years. That's a path that is very paved. We we know as humans what hap- what can happen when we do that, right? We've seen so many other examples. But when we're choosing a path that maybe we weren't told over and over again that our family members didn't exhibit, we're saying, like me, oh, I started off following the path. I'm going to go to college. I'm getting, I got a job. But then I was like, mm, I'm going to start my own business. I don't really have... Um, I don't have any family members who own their own business. So that was, you know, oh, hmm, or close family members that own their own business. That's an unpaved path for me. Um, And then, oh, I'm now doing a spiritual business. That's even more unpaved. You know, most business owners, it's a a product or like an accounting service or, you know, like something like that, that people understand and they know. So now I'm creating my own business. There's no precedent. There's no, okay, so if you're going to, you know, start start a product business, this is what you should do. Should blah, blah, blah. Like, I do have products now, but I'm just using this as an example. Um, and then I'm deciding I want to live a life where I can travel, where I don't have to work nine to five, where I, I want to make, you know, like over $100,000 a year, you know, $250,000 a year. Like, these are all paths that I was not seeing or thinking about growing up um I don't know if I want to get married I don't want to have kids like these are what do I do with my life then if I'm not doing that right I'm not following the path that's written out even being non-binary there's no people know what a woman is people know what a man is there's there's no one way to be I mean obviously there's no one way to be a man or a woman you know I'm not trying to (laughs) blanket statement everything like that I'm just using it as an example but it's like there's like a huge problem for a lot of non-binary people because there's there's no one look that tells people I'm non-binary because there is so much it's a spectrum everybody fits differently in the spectrum is if you have a look that people can openly identify you as a woman then that's that's affirming right that's gender affirming for you but I'm following a path where I maybe I look like a woman maybe sometimes I look like a lesbian, a butch lesbian, you know, like maybe I'm, I'm looking, I look female, but my gender is not that. What does my gender look like? You know, people who are, they, them, their genitalia doesn't automatically erase, right? (laughs) So there's a lot of paths that maybe we're all on the cycle breaker, right? I'm the one who's going to heal in my family. What does that look like? None of my other family members healed from their shit. 
Um, and that's knowing and just knowing that and acknowledging that can can give you that freedom of like, yeah, I'm taking a lot of unwritten paths, unknown paths. And that can be that's going to make my ego more and more fearful and more and more it's going to pop up than maybe somebody who's just, oh, I'm just going to go to work or go to college, get a job, work nine to five, have some kids, you know, like they know what their path is and there's, there's normalcy and safety in that feeling maybe. Right. And I'm not, I'm just saying like in general, and I know like there can be other stuff that can happen for other people. We're speaking in examples here. <laughs> um, so no, understanding that can help you because now you can say, Oh, wait a minute. Okay. So I'm probably going to feel really fearful when I do this. It's going to feel really uncomfortable in my body when I decide to take that leap. And that can, this is kind of like the fourth way of how we can use our fear um, as more of a like motivator or feedback loop. Because a lot of us, like I said, we, we see it as the enemy we see it as something to avoid, something to be scared of, something that's overwhelming. But if we know that we're choosing something that's non-traditional or not societally accepted or taught, then it's going to feel weird in our body. Um, so being more intimate and being the more embodied you can be around this, the better. But the more intimate you can be with how your fear shows up in your body, um, the easier it will be to recognize this, right? So if it feels like your skin is crawling, if it feels uncomfortable, if you feel nauseous, if you feel um, like tight muscles, if you know, like knowing how that shows up in your body for different like responses, that can be a, a, a feedback loop for yourself to say, you know, um, in my psychic readings, one of the most common questions I would get is, you know, am I on the right path? This can be a feedback loop for you to know when you're on the right path, because, you can you can say like, wait a minute, I'm taking this path that I don't know the answers to. There's a lot of unknowns and I'm trying my best. Am I on the right path? And then you can say, well, you know, now that I think about it, I have been feeling like very weird in my body, very uncomfortable, a lot of new sensations. I've been feeling kind of like uh, maybe like a newbie around these feelings. Maybe. And then that can be your feedback loop to say, wait, oh, so my body is saying, wait a minute, there's change going, my ego is saying, wait a minute, there's change going on. My body is saying, I feel uncomfortable. This feels new to me. This feels weird to me. This feels scary to me. So I am on the right path because I'm moving towards that change, that newness. I'm rewriting the cycle. I'm changing the pattern. I'm unlearning the program and that's new and change is unknown, right? And change is scary. So if I know that I'm having a response to this, then that's actually a good sign for me. So we can flip the fear to kind of say like, oh, if I do have the fear, that means I'm doing something right um, in terms of like what your vision is and what your dream is, right? So um, recent example of this for me, um, in my products business, I'm working on getting into more in-person stores here in LA. And I had a big order um, in March. And at this like really big shop and it was like the biggest order I've made um because they were going to carry my products in their shop and I literally like I felt like I was 
pulling teeth to make the products. Like I just, for some reason, didn't want to make them. I kept procrastinating and doing everything else besides that. Um, And then I finally was like, you know, I, I knew that there was a deadline and I knew that I was under a lot of stress and pressure to do this. But then when I dropped off the products, I realized, why was that so hard for me to make all these products? When this is what I've been wanting the whole time, I want my products to be in stores and I want to sell like hundreds of my products as opposed to like tens of my products, right? And I realized after I turned in the first batch, like, oh, it wasn't, you know, the procrastination and the stress and the fear and the the reason why it took me so long, it was because I was scared. It wasn't because I didn't have energy or all these things were going wrong. It was because I was scared to turn it in because this was a new big leap in my business, like a more like this, this place that I now sell at the Mystic Museum. They were a lot bigger than the first store that I give my products to. They wanted way more products. They, they have way more followers, way more foot traffic. It just felt more official to me. Right. Um, more eyes were going to be on my products. So I needed to show up and they wanted to have all these, you know, the first store I sold at the Crooked Path, it's a witchcraft shop. So they're like, cool. Yeah. Sell your witchcraft stuff here. The Mystic Museum is like a spooky horror, like, um, oddity shop. And so they wanted to have all these disclaimers, you know, the spells associated with this oil are for entertainment purposes only. So all that kind of stuff kind of scared me, right? Like this is so official. Like, I can't fuck it up. Like I have to put all these disclaimers on my products now, as opposed to the witchcraft shop that was like, yeah, we sell spells here. (laughs) Um, So I realized after I turned all the stuff in, oh, that's why it felt like pulling teeth to do this because I was scared. This was a big leap, a big step. And my ego was like, this is unsafe for me. I don't know what's going to happen. What if my products like kill somebody or something, you know, like all these irrational fears started coming up. And then now I'm making another order for another shop called Liberate. um, And it's even larger than the other one. And this time around, I'm recognizing the signs. Oh, wait a minute. I, I realize I'm procrastinating because I'm scared about doing an even bigger order now. But now I'm able to move through it more because I realize that's just my fear. That's cool. I can keep making the products. There's nothing wrong. I don't need to stop and not do it. It's not my intuition telling me this is a bad idea. It's my fear telling me, oh my gosh, like I don't want to do this because this is a big responsibility and this and it's more money, right? And that's another thing that can be associated with fear. Oh no, now I'm actually going to be successful when all this time I said I wanted to be successful. Ah, like that's crazy. I can't actually be successful. I'm scared of it in reality. So now it's easier for me to move through it and to understand I was just afraid the whole time. And that's why it took me so long because all of these fears were being brought up. And now I can understand the fear and validate it and say, like, yeah, it does, it is scary. And now I'm able to like make the products quicker and get my shit together quicker and stuff like that. Um, you know, and so that's kind of like an example that I wanted to share is like, we can use the fear as a feedback loop to say, I am on the right track. I am making progress and success 
And that's why my ego is being triggered and saying it's like the red flag. It's like, whoa, whoa, hey, hey, whoa, whoa. We're making progress on this. We're creating change. We're doing new things. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's that about? And now we can recognize how that shows up in our body in different scenarios so that then the next time we come to that kind of same precipice, we're ready. We're like, I get it. I understand it more. I can move through this quicker. I can understand like the signs easier. I can work with myself. I now have developed a system to understand myself. Right. Um, and then we can kind of move from the perspective of fear being bad to like a collaborator in our success. Oh, fear. Yeah. That bitch is always going to be there because I'm human, but I know how to work productively or more healthy healthy meaning like what I want it to be like right with my fear because I know what her job is I know what my ego's job is (laughs) I know what they're doing at all times and why they're doing it and now I can work with them I now can see a way that we can collaborate together um because that that kind of like reminds me I don't know if they 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 probably didn't have this commercial everywhere but we have Six Flags Magic Mountain out here which is um a roller coaster park and they have this whole like commercial series in the 2000 like early 2000s it was like not early 2000s probably 2010s um that was like thrill seekers like they branded like are you a thrill seeker are you gonna rise up to the challenge because they have like crazy roller coasters right and so I kind of see it as that way where it's like we can let our fear it's like two sides of the coin right like we can let our fear be something that stops us from doing what we want and we we shrink away from it and we get scared or we can be like the thrill seekers that are like oh I know I have that fear and I'm going to keep chasing it I'm going to you know use it as a way to seek out my adventure to choose my own adventure right like I there are people who like to have that fear feeling for different reasons, right? Um, I'm one of those people. <laughs> I like going on roller coasters. I love going to haunted houses. Um, I ask my boyfriend to like scare me. Like <laughs> I, I think it's fun to have the fear. Um, and you know, everybody has their own reasoning why. But um you can kind of view it that way. Like, oh, actually my fear shows me something. My fear maybe could be fun because it's showing me that I'm proving myself wrong, that I'm changing and growing, um, you know, that I'm challenging myself to change in some way, whatever like your goal is, right? So that's kind of all I had to say about that. <laughs> and I'm, I don't know. Hopefully this helps you. This episode helps you. Hopefully it wasn't, I think you got a little bit rambly but um I was talking and then I wrote all these notes and then I was like wait a minute let me check my notes but anyways we got there we got through it um we got through the fear together but yeah just take some time like soak in all of this do what seems cool to you what doesn't seem cool right you don't have to do everything um and it's a process just like how intuition is a language if we have a history of not feeling safe in our body, not feeling our feelings, not being embodied and like being able to feel actually what's going on in our body. It's going to take you some time to learn the language of your fear, to know the nuances, right? Like I struggled making all of those products and it wasn't until I turned it in that 
when the fear was released that I was like, I had the clarity, right? <laughs> the post nut clarity <laughs> um, of being like, wait a minute. Oh, this is why I was, I was dragging ass the whole time because I was scared. So know that it might not be fully evident in the beginning, um, that it'll take some time. It's trial and error. Each time could be different depending upon the severity of the spectrum, right? Of the fear um, and using your own judgment and what just feels best for you. I don't want you to force yourself to do, oh, Amanda said you should just do it anyways. So I'm just going to freaking jump off of this bridge. You know, like this is a shitty example, <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. Like don't force yourself to do things because you're wanting to quickly move through the fear um, or to like get to the other side, like do stuff at a pace that feels right for you. And if you're not sure what feels right, like experiment, try things out. It's all like the whole purpose of living. We're trial and error. We're trying to rediscover who we are to unlearn a lot of us, right? Like the cycle breakers. We're trying to unlearn things that we were taught to find out who we actually are underneath and how we work and to feel okay with that. So it's a process. Don't feel frustrated if you try it and it doesn't work. Um, it's learning. We're always learning, right? We tried something, it didn't work. Now we've learned that that doesn't work, so we don't need to try it again. So just be patient with yourself as you're going through this, um, as you're doing it. And um, let me know what comes up. I'd love to hear any cool revelations to know what your fear looks like, what your shadow looks like. Um, And until next time, bye! If you love Witchy and Weird podcasts, support us by donating monthly for as little as 99 cents at anchor.fm slash witchyandweird slash support. You can cancel at any time and 100% of the proceeds go directly to the pod. Or if you don't want to commit to a monthly donation, buy Amanda a coffee at ko-fi.com slash wishyandweird to help fuel them while they record, edit, create, and upload content for the podcast. And if you're feeling extra generous, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and tell your witchy and weird friends about us too. Bye!